0: While most of Wall Street traders are left scratching their heads following Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell's interview on 60 Minutes this past weekend, some professionals are actually out there saying, well, there might be even more to the story. With us today, we have Victoria Fernandez. She is the Chief Market Strategist at Crossmark Global Investments in Houston, Texas. And along with me is Tobin Smith out in Scottsdale, Arizona. Victoria, welcome back to Buy,
1: Hold, Sell.
2: My pleasure to be back, Thanks, Victoria. Guys. I've been demoted.
1: I used to be the co-host. Now I'm just Toby Smith. No.
2: Now you're just a guest.
1: Yeah,
2: you are.
0: You you know you're the co-host and you're the gold standard of buy hold sell, Toby. So you know I, I, late, I'm Pat. trying to think of something too, different too than late. talking about the weather. <laughs> So listen, wow. Victoria. Hey, Victoria. Well, let me ask Victoria. I want to start with Victoria on this one, Toby, because I got a. I saw you were you were making the rounds last weekend last week with, with the big media channels in uh in in New York, and I, I can't help but notice that your really your narrative is completely different than what we're hearing from everyone else because right now. It looks like there are somewhere, I hate to use the word cross again, but there are cross wins that we have to start worrying about and some challenges for the rest of the year. Tell us though, because I got to say, you're actually on the side of not being extra, extra bullish right now.
2: Yeah, I'm really not. I mean, we look at what's out there and, and look. You know, I'm kind of old school when it comes to the idea of looking at leading economic indicators, trying to find the red flags that are out there for the economy, things that historically have told us we should be going into a recession. And there have been a mountain of those. I mean, if nothing else, leading economic indicators down, what, 21, 22 months in a row, you've got this inverted yield curve three months to 10 year where it's been inverted about 460 days at this point um i did see where the analysts put out saying the average of going into a recession is around 580 days so 120 more days four more months possibly um we might see a larger pullback or a recession but i just think there's too much optimism out in the marketplace much of it based on momentum Because we've had a consumer that has been supported by stimulus and by increasing wages and the ability to change jobs so easily, being supported by that soft landing narrative and the belief that the Fed is going to cut rates sooner rather than later, at least up until last week, um, and that there's going to be six cuts this year while at the same time People anticipating that we're going to have a super strong economy with above trend growth and 11 to 12% earnings growth. So, to me, it's like you have pieces of a puzzle that don't fit together. You can't tell me we're going to have above trend growth, 12% earnings growth, and at the same time, the Fed is going to have a need to cut five or six times for the economy. They just don't fit together. So, we're not saying we're extremely bearish, but we're very cautious right now. And we don't buy into the extreme bullish nature that you're hearing a lot right now.
1: Well, Victoria, I mean, first of all, any of the idiots that are saying that we're going to have a sixth rate <laughs> are, I don't know what they're on. I'd like to know what they're drinking because I, I need some of that stuff. The second one is I am in the camp. I mean, I, I've been bullish on the economy of, you know, since a long time. But I'm going to camp that historical stuff means jack shit after you went through a pandemic for uh, two years and then went through, uh, you know, two uh, evasions and now, uh, you know, strife in the Mideast. Behaviors change when you get those type of of macro global events, A. B, the Federal Reserve has been wrong about their rate cut numbers, or at least the, the Fed fund futures has been wrong for 28 years in a row. They have never gotten it right, ever. Even in 2007, Stevie Wonder could have figured out we were going into 37 minutes, <laughs> and, and, and they didn't get it right. So I, I'm looking at a different. I'm looking at a, our portfolio right now, and again, we're heavily in AI. Our portfolio is up 41 percent in the last five weeks. Now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously Nvidia, obviously SMCI, but other right. guys down down the, the pecking order, and I'm 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 more much more about. The macro, we've already figured out. You can't have a recession. I'm sorry. You cannot have a recession when you have 78 million people on pensions, when you have 40% of homes owned for cash, when you have rising wages, et cetera, et cetera. 32,000 layoffs in the tech industry doesn't mean squat. There's a million and a half jobs out there, right? <laughs> so, so I, you know, I'm, i but I am saying, certainly, we took profits today on the Nvidia and SMCI, and you know, as you should, because, yes, because they were just insane. I mean, it's, right. you know, it, those aren't professional investors; those are momentum investors; those are algo investors. Totally get it, but man, there's still, uh, you know, we see a lot of sectors that we're staying in, making money in, and Todd, I even rebought our LPG shippers today because they finally bottomed out well Um, transports
2: are actually doing pretty well on a relative basis so it makes sense to do that and let me say we under no circumstances are we saying that people should not be in the market we don't want people in cash. You want to be invested in the market. What we want to make sure people do is exactly what you just said. When you have these green days, when you have these updates, go in there and trim some of those names. Bob Dahl, our CIO, always likes to say, don't be so greedy, right? Get in there, take some off the table. You don't have to come out of a name, but trim those positions and get ready to put them somewhere else. You look at sectors like healthcare On a relative basis, it is doing phenomenally against the rest of the S&P. Financials have taken a little bit of a turn on a relative basis as well mm-hmm. and are doing and are doing pretty good. Obviously, take out what we've seen with the New York Community Bank, take that aside. But some of these other, some of the bigger banks with those strong balance sheets. Um, so healthcare, financials have been doing good. Industrials have been doing well. Look at Caterpillar. And typically that is a sign of a booming economy when industrials do better. So I don't want to take that away way, right? Oh. I'm not saying the economy is going to tank. I just think there's... Maybe we've gotten a little bit over our skis in some of these when you see how those Magnificent Seven or now they're taking it down to Magnificent Six or Five versus the other 496 names in the SP. There's quite a divergence in that performance. So you have to be selective. But I think now's a great time to step into some of those sectors and pick up some names that maybe have not been doing as well. You'll have more upside on some of those. Yeah.
1: So let me talk a little inside baseball here, Todd, because... People at home have to understand that, you know, the average stock market return for the last 40 years has basically been nine to 10%, including reinvesting dividends, right? Solid. If if you have a portfolio like ours up 45%, now I'm looking at the number, in a month. Yeah. What that means is we're in the very right spaces. And what that means is a whole bunch of momentum people that that don't they don't buy stocks, they just buy tickers that are going up, are pouring in. And they will pour in until somebody F's up. You know, if NVIDIA misses by a penny, if SMCI misses by a penny, right. then they're down 25%. And all you have to do is look at, you know, the, the stocks that just got schmeiced. That's a Jewish word, by the way, for you, Todd. Um, <laughs> when they get schmeiced, for missing by nothing. Look at Intel, for instance. So there's there's like three different markets, is what I'm trying to say. There are institutional investors, like our dearly beloved Veronica, Victoria, i sorry, and, and they never buy Everything on day one. You build positions. And the way you know you're investing is when you get excited when something comes back in value because you're not looking at the next day. But if you're checking your portfolio, you know, your your portfolio, which is really just your trading account every five minutes, and you're seeing you know SMCI go up $76 yesterday. Nobody knew what SMCI was until we put it out in May of last year. Thank you very much. Then you're trading and don't confuse the trading with the investing and if you're if you're going to be true. trading you better be on your game. Okay. Let let's pivot just slightly
0: on this because I want to go back to the idea of a slowdown in the economy, very slight recession, call whatever you want, come up with any adjective that you like, but it does make sense because if the Fed does start cutting rates, they need to have a really good reason to start cutting rates and a slowdown would make sense. However, on Friday the jobs number comes out and it is a blockbuster number. So yeah. does that change the, the outlook for what Crossmark is thinking? Because right now, I mean, even if you cut those numbers in half, it's still a robust labor market.
2: Yeah, it doesn't change our longer term outlook um, because when you look at that number, we also have to kind of dive under the hood a little bit more yeah. on this. We know there's seasonality factors that uh, you know account for some of that gain, not all of it. It was a great number. We have to acknowledge that. One of the things that we're looking at in that report is the productivity the hours worked, and the wages. So we had hours worked come down. We had wages mm-hmm. move higher, um, which means productivity is moving higher. And this is where we try to connect the dots for our clients. If productivity is moving higher and growth continues to do well, you look at Atlanta uh, GDP now, it's what, 4.2%? I think yep. it's at eight. they continue to move it higher. That means the neutral rate for the Fed funds is actually higher right than what it is now if the neutral rate is higher explain the
1: neutral rate Branka. so it's basically
2: it's going to be that level where you're neither helping nor hurting the economy right it's that rate where everyone just continues to chug along um and things do well if that is higher that means the federal reserve is not as restrictive as we think they are So I think we have to think down the path a little bit. Don't just do a knee-jerk reaction because we had a great jobs number. What does that truly mean for the economy and for the Fed? Does it mean that real rates are higher than what we thought? Does it mean The Fed is not as restrictive. Does it mean the Fed's going to stay higher for longer? And that's the mistake, right? Everyone says the Fed will will wait until they make a mistake. Is the mistake going to be they hold too long? And then you do really start to hurt the labor market? It's these scenarios that we have to think about. We don't think the economy is going to tank or fall through the floor, um, but we do think there's going to be some some volatility. And we think on those pullbacks, as Chabon was mentioned earlier, That's where the traders step in and really take advantage, make some tactical moves. If you're a longer term investor, you can do the smaller trades, you can trim, you can buy, you can position yourself in companies that will hold their price and hold their value during volatility. But I think we have to really be careful here and not just take every good number that comes through as saying, oh, the economy is great. Let's think about what that means for some of the decision makers in regards to rates. well let's
1: not also forget that part-time jobs were about 40 percent of the new ads uh, very
2: important that we saw part-time jobs go higher and as you know that is a signal if i actually was looking at a graph of part-time versus full-time workers Mm full-time workers were actually on the decline and part-time workers on the way up along with temporary um jobs showing some signals of stress so those are concerning for the markets as well but look guys it's an election year. Tell me one administration when they're up for re-election that isn't gonna try to spruce up the economy, that we're not gonna get more stimulus coming in. This is what I think can make our outlook incorrect. I think having more stimulus come in to support the consumer could make it to where you don't see a pullback because you've got all this artificial stimulation going on, then that just pushes it down the road further. And you're looking at next year probably before you see a lot of these um elements where you have to pay the piper on what we've done over the last couple of years. That probably comes to roost next year. Oh, come happens. on, you're
1: old school. I mean, hold
0: on, I am. Hold on, I'm going to take. Toby, I'm going to take the bait on this one. Okay, let's talk about this stimulus, potential stimulus. Can you tell the audience what that may look like?
2: Well, we're looking this week, actually, at some of the new tax laws that are coming out, right? Child tax credits increasing. That's a positive for the consumer. Um, we're looking at research and development components for corporations that would help them um, in regards to some of the deductions that they're taking. So there's certain elements coming out helping both businesses and individuals exactly exactly what the current administration wants to see as they come near an election. Look, there is a, a chart that shows there is no administration in the history of the country that has won re-election if there is a recession within 24 months of an election. Never are they re-elected. If there's not a recession, they are always 100 percent reelected. So they're going to do everything in their power in order to help um, juice this economy. What we're going to have to be careful of, all of these stimulus components that we're seeing, what does that mean in regards to Treasury issuance? Does that push yields higher? And does that cause the stock market some grief going forward?
1: Well, let's not not forget that, you know, there's this, this world out there, Victoria, and Germany is basically in recession. The UK yes. is in a recession. Yep. France, Spain, you know, the Italians are never in a recession because they're just hammered all the time. Okay, they're, they're
2: just happy. Don't,
1: <laughs> they don't care. But um, uh, the the global. I mean, remember, money is fungible, right? It goes to where it's best treated. It. Right now, it's getting best treated. in The United States. The one that really got yeah. me was in China. The stock market's only been you know bad for three and a half, four years. They created these ETFs that own like Japanese stocks, which is doing doing well, and own American stocks. But the ETFs are selling at a 30% premium to the actual stocks that they own. Now, that's cray-cray. That is, <laughs> you know, that's out there. But this is the first time I can remember in a long time that there's money coming into the U.S. equity markets. It's coming in a big way from China. It's coming in for a big way. I'm working on the deal right now with uh, G42, G42 is the AI investment group for the UAE Emirates. And they're gonna write us a check for $220 million. And they just say, where do I send it? Um, there's more money going into, uh, just, not just the United States, that I'm trying to say. There's, they, we have a huge amount of money going into, uh, you know, what we used to call ESG. Now I just call it sustainability. Right. And um, we have a huge amount of going into AI. That requires a huge exactly. amount of data center and chips and so on and so forth. That It's on a positive feedback loop, Victoria. In my opinion, and I can show you the math, that that it more power begets more power begets more CPUs begets more right. use, and 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 right now we're in that uplift. And oh, by the way, you know, NVIDIA, if you take the forward earnings that we're using, our target 700 bucks. I saw Goldman came out a couple days ago, 700 bucks. Yeah. Um, SMCI, we have it at a nine hundred dollar. Why? Because on a forward basis, they're going to grow their earnings one hundred and twenty-five percent this fiscal year, and then one hundred and forty percent next year. So that makes their PE about an eighteen. So there's a reason why these, you know, uh, you know, the bricks and mortar, or you want to call it the picks and shovels in the AI space, that have high margins, that have a sustainable, have orders that are booked out for the next eighteen months. Right. Yeah. You know, if I'm a portfolio manager, I cannot right. be not in those stocks. And also, they're the safety trade at the same time. I can't tell you very often that I've ever remembered in 40 years of doing this, that technology was not only the growth trade, but it was also the, but safety, the safety trade. trade. Yeah, because of all the cash they have. Yeah. And yeah. I
2: completely agree. You have to have exposure to these names. You cannot... Um, eliminate them from your portfolio whatsoever. Now, I will say in our large cap strategies, Microsoft is the one that we're most overweight uh, yep. versus our benchmark. Um, we have exposure to all of the names. Some of them, like Apple, we're a little bit underweight um, yep. versus the benchmark, but you do have to have exposure. I think it's also important though, in this type of environment, where in our opinion, there's still some uncertainties outside of that group that you're talking about, Um, You have to have that diversification, not just within your equity portfolio per se, but look, you need to have fixed income allocation. If I can get you a 5% yield on an 18 month or two year treasury, add a little bit of that into your portfolio to have some steady cash coming in to your portfolio. If you can use covered calls like we do for so many of our clients, write short covered calls and in this volatility, you can continue um, to move those and generate income off those premiums. Do that to give yourself a little bit of downside protection. I know you give up some of the upside on those, um, but it it gives you some diversification, an equity market neutral strategy, right? An absolute return strategy, some global exposure, select collectively. These are the things I think you need to be doing in your portfolio right now um, and not just be all in those big mega cap names. Although you said the letters AI, right? It it seems like that's all someone needs to say on their earnings call for the stock to do well. We saw with Qualcomm. Qualcomm mentioned how they're going to be using AI. It's a name that we actually like outside of that. Um, those mega seven names, we like that. Um, but we also heard it. I said Caterpillar reported earlier talking about industrials. They mentioned how because of all of the AI that's going on, it requires a lot of infrastructure on these companies to build out new buildings to handle a lot of this. And they're benefiting from that. So the AI component really, as you were mentioning, is widespread and flows through. This is why I'm saying be selective. Find some of the trends that are doing well that have some longevity to them. These are the names you want to invest in as long as they have good cash flows. I don't want to, to take that away from everyone. You got to watch those balance sheets. Free cash flow has been one of the most positive factors leading to outperformance. And those names we've been talking about are perfect examples yeah. of that. Yeah, you know, well, let's
1: not forget, Todd, I'll, I know you got to go to the break. Let's not forget about farmers. I, I have some dear friends up in Iowa. You know, a, a small farm for them is like 4,000 acres, right? Um, he was just telling me this last weekend 100% of his farming and yield is done automatically no drivers no no yeah. guy running the tractor Uh, All the harvesting, the picking, the sorting, et cetera. And he says he saves about a million and a half dollars every quarter because he doesn't have 25 people out picking, doesn't have the fertilizer guy out there, he doesn't have the other type thing there. So, this is where that
2: productivity comes into play that we're talking about that 2.7% productivity growth in the fourth quarter. That's where this is coming in. All
0: right, let's leave it there, guys, on that because uh, just wonderful stuff. And since Victoria did talk about tech, I'm going to have to ask her what other sectors she's taking a look at. Maybe some individual stocks as well. But we're going to talk all about that in the next break, uh, next block. So with us today, Victoria Fernandez, she is the chief market strategist at Crossmark Global Investments down in Houston. You can go to crossmarkglobal.com for more information. And her we'll name right is right not back. Veronica. I want to see that right now. Her
2: I Veronica. was going to change it for you if I needed to yeah. today. It's okay. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. We'll be right back after the break.
2: Buy, hold, sell. Brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
0: odds makers and influencers. Every episode of Double Down with Breslo is packed with insider tips, deeply skilled analysis and in-depth discussions. Don't miss out on the ultimate resource for mastering the business of sports betting. Listen to Double Down with Breslo on the Evergreen Podcast Network or wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Double Down with Breslo, the business of sports betting podcast.
2: I'm Jessica Inskip from the Market Make Her podcast and director of education and product at Options Play. You're listening to Buy, Hold, Sell with Tobin and Todd.
0: Welcome back to Buy Hold Sell. Well, with us today, we have Victoria Fernandez. She is the Chief Market Strategist over at Crossmark Global Investments. And also with me is my co host, Tobin Smith, who also is the host, the only host for the new Money Mavericks show that is, that is about to debut in a couple of weeks, where you can watch it on Tubi, Pluto, any other streaming service that you want. It's going to be a wonderful show. I know it's going to be everybody's on the edge of their seats, Tobin. I know. This I know, but you
1: know, the, the first guest I want is Victoria Fernandez. Back <laughs> out. out. I'm we'll there. to let me know. In Espanol.
2: And just for fun, yeah. <laughs> it'll be well, a short show. If we
1: it'll do be that. a short show. <laughs> <laughs> well, Victoria is
0: is the is a superstar, and we already know that. And that we were just talking about technology. I mean, everybody talks about the tech sector, and and why not? I mean, it's a winner, and we know that. But Victoria, I have to ask. Name some non-tech sectors that you like.
2: Yeah, so there's a few out there. And we've talked about already here this afternoon kind of some of the sectors that have had pullbacks earlier this year. And we like to go in and find names there. So financials is one of the areas that we like. We know the balance sheets are strong for the big banks. And what a lot of people probably don't realize is up until last week with the New York Community Bank, prior to that, 100% of the constituents in the financial sector, we're in an uptrend. And so there's some momentum going in that financial sector right we like we like some of the bigger names we like City. everyone likes JP Morgan so we like JP Morgan as well they're just kind of the the creme de la creme of the sector but City had good earnings they're expecting loan growth like three to four percent over the next couple of years you're getting a four percent dividend with the name um, and it's trading 13 to 14 times so look at some of the names in the financials and see there so we like financials we also like healthcare. I know there's been some concern about healthcare. We talked about how, on a relative basis, they're performing really well versus the S and P. Cigna is probably one of our favorite names hmm. in the healthcare space. Um, there was talk of acquisitions and mergers going on a little bit with Cigna. That's now behind them. The stock um, has done better since then. It took a little bit of a hit. Um, On that announcement, it's back to doing better. But again, if you're looking longer term investments in your portfolios where you can generate a dividend and you have that quality earnings growth, we like Cigna. And then the final sector that I that I would put out there and look, you are talking to a Texas girl born and raised in Houston. I bet you can guess it's probably going to be the energy sector. Mm. We know know the troubles. That we have seen from the energy side and there was always this big debate over the last couple of years is it the supply or the demand that's going to drive these names obviously we're having issues in the middle east but you look at production here in the us we continue to see production move higher these companies have so much cash on their balance sheets. They can do the CapEx that they need to do. We know some of them hold back a little bit. ConocoPhillips is a name that we like um, in that area. So there are places besides tech that you can go. um, And not just these sectors. There are specific names in other areas um, that we like as well. So you just have to be choosy and dig in and find the, the ones with those Strong business models, strong balance sheets, good cash flows. That's what we're doing. Yeah, I, would,
1: I would throw Petrobras in there as well. Yes. Petro, Petrobras has, has stupid cash flow. Okay. The, the dividend we estimate this year is going to be something like 26 27% because they have a format of how they have to pay the dividends out because the Brazilian government owns 38%, 39% yep. of the company. Um, yeah, if and, you
2: can have some global exposure, I, I yeah. mean – there's that makes perfect sense to put into a into a portfolio.
1: Yeah. At, at so, Patel, ECO's Go ahead.
0: And talk. Let, let's let's talk about the energy sector for a second, because a lot of the guests that come on. Uh, actually, Gina Martin Adams from Bloomberg was on yeah. last week. She mentioned the financial sector. And that was the first I had heard that. Now, obviously, you validate it. Uh, also for our audience but energy right now let's break that down a little bit are you speaking of I mean you mentioned Conoco, so it sounds like the big oil companies ExxonMobil Chevron those are those are winners that you're looking at but anything else I mean maybe the maybe valero for the refineries I mean is it the entire sector or just pieces of it
2: no I don't think you there's no sector that I'm gonna say the entire um, constituents of that sector are good to go. So, Valero, we have exposure to Valero on our fixed income side. We own some Valero bonds there. We obviously have exposure uh, to Chevron and to Exxon. I mentioned ConocoPhillips. Some of the smaller players, and when you, you look at some of the names like um, a Chenier, well, then you're going into lower credit quality in some of these names. And I think you have to be a little bit concerned there. So, this is a sector where you really need to do your homework. You need to change and see what are their debt levels. What do those ratios look like? Yes, they have solid cash positions on um, on their balance sheets, but you need to look and see the mm-hmm. debt loads. That's something key for these names. Obviously, there's a ton of regulation going on in this sector yeah, no too, good. so you want to be mindful right of that but it's the big players that I think we would focus on right now once we get past some of the issues that we are seeing currently the Middle East being one of them a new administration or the current administration come November and what policy looks like then maybe you can start um, going into a little bit more widespread within the sector but we would stick with the big names for now.
1: Todd, I would, I would also throw Toby in... Toby, uh, liquefied natural gas. Is that, Are we going to hear it? I'm just saying, brother. Um, <laughs> not liquefied natural gas, you bonehead. Propane, LPG. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, well, here's, here's the deal. If you're in India, I'm just going to be my Ross Perot for you, Victoria. You know, here's the deal. <laughs> India is the largest importer of liquefied petroleum gas, LPG, in the world. 70% of the LPG comes from her backyard. Uh, and it is put on a liquefied petroleum gas VLCCF large tanker, which we own BWLLF. We own AVACF. Those are the ticker symbols. Because if I tell you the names, it's too confusing. And um, they their rates are up about seventy five percent year over year, which means they are gushing cash flow today. The dividend on on BWLLF, let's call it <laughs> Beowulf, right, is about twenty eight percent because they pay out. Eighty-five percent of their positive cash flow because they paid off, you know, they paid off their boats, you know. But then we have this Panama Canal thing that I think people are sort of forgetting about. Mm-hmm. That only uh, February twelfth, uh, only twenty-five boats a day. You usually have sixty-two. So because of that, they're going the long way around South America to get to uh, India, or they're going the long way around the Good Hope in South Africa to get yep. to the Suez Canal. Oh, wait a minute, they can't go there either. So all those extra days means that the inventory of ships available to ship LPG are, are much less. Therefore, if there's more demand than supply, uh, Todd, even you would understand the economics of that, right? Absolutely. And,
2: and look, what that means, going back to what we were talking about in the previous yep. segment, that stickier inflation that I think the Fed is watching very closely, you know, I, I just don't think we're going to have a consistently downward trending inflation number. I think there's going to be some bumps in this road, which is going to cause the Fed to take a little bit of a pause. And this is a perfect example of the type of thing that could feed through to that. Shipping costs are up 300 percent over last month. Yeah, so very important to be watching that.
1: shipping costs. You know, and particularly Chinese New Year is coming right, so they, they were yeah. trying to get everything out there. Th- those those product goods, they're, they're you know they're going to uh, be more expensive. Everybody can't uh, you know shop on Taiwan or Xi'an or whatever those other things are. <laughs> uh, I, I will yeah. say this though, I know so for my dog next door. I I, I went on Xi'an. <gasps> <and, laughs> oh my you know, goodness! I and, love and, that. Yeah, and, and he loves it, too. He Bailey thinks it's
0: the greatest thing. Is, is to... that the Money Mavericks mascot? I'm just curious. Yeah, that could
1: be. And hey, this is what,
0: listen, bye. Bye. That's bye. Very good. Victoria, I, w- I want to ask you, because you touched on the um, tensions in the Middle East. Now, flashback here. Toby and I did a show a long time ago on Fox News. Neil Cavuto hosted it, where they mm-hmm. talked about, when there are tensions in the Middle East, it is an enviable business model because when they're acting up, oil prices go higher because there's always the fear that a Scud missile is going to rocket or you know, right. go into a um, an oil, oil field. It's so, called the risk
1: premium, Todd.
0: Risk the premium. risk premium. That's where I'm going right. with this oh. because is there a risk premium? Because I see that stocks like Exxon, Conoco that you mentioned are rising right now. I can't help but think i mean I, I know we're bumping up to their earnings reports next week but do you think that maybe because of the tensions in the middle east that is the reason why we're seeing a little bit of appreciation with the big big oil companies?
2: Look, it's definitely a factor, right, Todd? I mean, when you have things going on and disruptions to the supply chain, I mean, we had the biggest disruption to the supply chain in the history of forever um, with COVID, and we saw what happened there. So any kind of disruption to that is going to cause an increase in there. But I think add to that the fact that you have OPEC Plus saying we're not going to increase – you know, what we're producing, sorry, it's staying the way it is, that adds fuel to that fire. Now there is a little bit um, of, you know, buffer to that with the fact that the US is producing more, we're hitting some all time high levels, but at the same time, there's a lot of concern going on. So yes, the Middle East conflicts and the potential for them to go even further. Um, Obviously we've seen the US and the UK launch some attacks over the last few days, that's going to add yeah. Um, yeah. to what we're seeing in the price appreciation there, the risk premium as well. Yeah,
1: let's let's not forget that Saudi Arabia needs eighty seven dollars a barrel to exactly. break even to break on their even. spending. I, I, I'm going to be over in the Emirates here in a month or so, and to rent, you know, rent to get a hotel room in uh, Abu Dhabi, try about eight hundred bucks a night. Wow! wow. I mean, well, it I've is... never
2: been, but I'm going to wait for prices to go down before I go. Then, <laughs> yeah.
1: Well. Well, you probably, you have a risk of being kidnapped over there, but that's a well, whole that's other true.
2: thing.
1: But the, <laughs> oh the, yeah, the whole the whole construct for Saudi Arabia is they can't, you know, they put $28 billion into an AI fund. It's called G42. And that's why I'm going over they and the United uh, Emirates for some of the projects that I'm funding. Dude, they can't get the money out fast enough. Um, but, You know, they see AI for what it is. They have the money to put after it. It's coming out of the, you know, out of the sheep's pocket. So it's not exactly, he's not, you know, begging for money. So I, I would just add that in there that, that it's, it, it, it's, uh, you know, but G42, go to G42.ai. That's, yeah. it's, it's, okay. it's $24 billion of money that the Emirates have put in. They want to own the smart city. They want to own um, a, a lot of the healthcare driven in AI. Okay. Um, and I'm bringing them a company that that uses mach- machine learning, but also molecular modeling with 16 different drugs in you know, phase one or phase two, they're going to, they're going to put $250 million in it. Like it's nobody's business. And then I okay. will just, I'll be selling this house and the other house. And then, you know, sort of combining together, having a minaret, little, little, little you know, cage, <laughs> I love those guys. I, I love their that. money. I love their money. There you go. That's right. We all do.
0: Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Victoria, I got to ask you one final thought here real quick. I, I saw you were on Charles Payne's show. We're big fans of Charles. Uh, he's a great friend. And uh, being over at Fox Business, you mentioned Home Depot. <laughs> what What are your thoughts on real estate? Because Home Depot, I mean, it's a, it's a proxy into that sector.
2: It is. And we've seen a lot of controversy around housing. Obviously, when rates went higher, we saw housing pull back. It's kind of that two steps forward, one step back. For that sector over the last year and a half or so um, with rates coming down with a 30 year mortgage coming back down um, with a six handle where it had been a seven handle for so long that's been beneficial for housing but one of the reasons we like Home Depot because they cater to two different groups, both the professional group and the do-it-yourselfers. I am neither, don't ask me to fix a pipe, don't ask me to do anything, I can't do it. But for those that can, Home Depot is really good for that. And coming up on the spring selling season for homes, when we know inventory has been low, this is when people either fix their homes up to sell them or they just bought a home and they're fixing them up afterwards combine that with and I know a lot of people laugh at this but look back and you will see the springtime season people spruce up their yards it's been a winter they get outside in the warmer weather Home Depot typically gets a pretty good boost from their gardening segment as well so combine all that together it's a good time to probably get into Home Depot hold it in your portfolio for a while and then like we said in the very beginning when it goes up you can trim some of it and book those profits.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm the total Home Depot guy for the for the garden stuff for the flowers, man. I see. I, I get a text from the gal who runs it. I says, "Toby, uh, we're we're going to mark down, you know, geraniums fifty percent because they've been around Come for a while." <laughs> I yeah. go get them. I plant them. I actually feed them for crying out loud. And um, yeah, I'm I like just need uh, like
2: a cactus or something that won't die because I am not <laughs> talented with that at all. Sorry.
0: Farmer Toby, I love it. Well, that's great. Well, I got to say Victoria, you always bring it. You are I mean, first class. I mean, the audience loves you and you really delivered today and we we can't thank you enough. Final final question though. I know you're in CJ Stroud country down there in Houston. Any picks for the Super Bowl?
2: Oh, come on. I'm going 49ers all the way on this. Okay. I uh, I have great confidence in that offensive line and Trent Williams to protect Purdy's blind side, and I think they're going to do it. Um, We'll see, but I'm pulling for the 49ers.
1: You never
0: Toby, bet you're a California against...
1: guy. Toby, what do you think? But you never bet against Mahomes and Kelsey now that they have a defense that is better than the freaking offense. At least the last two weeks ago, it was so. That's
2: true. So it's gonna I, be a good game. It's gonna be a yeah. really good game. I it's think gonna,
0: it's gonna be a great game. And I gotta say, um since my Ravens aren't in it, I i mean, I can I hope for a tie. I mean, I don't know. I that's what I, <laughs> I'm just going for that. So, but we'll nah. see. But, <laughs> but listen, we want to thank you, Victoria, for joining us today on Buy Hotel. Like I said, you were fabulous. We definitely would love to have you back again.
2: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. I guess
0: Absolutely. flattery will
1: get you everywhere, Todd. Is that really your whole aspect of life? There you
0: everywhere. go. That's
1: right. Everywhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so on behalf of Victoria Fernandez and Tobin Smith, host of the new Money Maverick show, I am Todd Schoenberger, and we'd like to thank you once again for joining us on Buy, Hold, Sell. Coming up later in the week, we have Reese Williams, who has some breaking news for the audience. It's definitely a show you will uh, not want I to I thought
1: miss. you said Reese Witherspoon.
0: I was like, come I on. Know, <Yeah>. Uh, maybe maybe next week. <laughs> Feel right, thanks lawyers. again, everyone. Feel we'll catch you next
2: time. Take care. All right. Buy, hold, sell. Brought to you by Crosscheck Management.
0: Imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner. Welcome to the Tech Entrepreneur on the Mission podcast.